0: Pop pop pop, pop 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 is it working? Pop yeah. pop pop, here we go, hey, Sammy. Hey hey hey! Finally, we do it, man. We did it, man. Uh, we finally got carried. you over here to uh, Casa Scarface for uh, the podcast, and you are uh, quite the, uh, I guess, quite the connoisseur of Latin music. And uh, just hearing the way that you like said goodbye to the Uber driver when we were on the phone, mm-hmm. I was like, you're just you go around wishing good luck everywhere, spreading good cheer you yeah. have a great energy yeah.
1: behind you yeah man I, I there's only one way of doing it being nice you know yeah and uh if you can't do that i mean it doesn't take any psychology to be kind to people you know
0: well not yeah. everyone's in that mode though of, yeah uh, Yep. Yeah,
1: even even when they're in that 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 uh dusty mode is still okay you know
0: well how do we get people into a, a more uh vibrant, jovial. I think I've read some good words, ebullient is a word that you put on their, on their site about you, that's a great word, how do we get people to spread more joy, you know, they have to harness it, they have to build themselves up, build their own joy. Yeah,
1: yeah, you, you know, it, it doesn't take anything, it, 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 just, it just takes very few words of kindness to open up a person, listen, I've, I've, I've met people who are as cold as ice, and what I do is I leave them alone, and I let them be who they are you know, and I'm quiet, you know, if they say anything, I say something kind. After a while, maybe 10 or 15 minutes later, then they open up and then all of that goes away. Hey, they might be going through something, I don't know, you know, right. everybody goes through personal stuff, right, and uh, and uh, I just happened to be at that moment at the right time that I said something at the right moment that opened themselves up and they flourish a little bit more you know everything in life is psychology you know and it's all emotions you know and you know we went through this pandemic and I think that this pandemic has changed the whole planet. It's changed me mm-hmm. you know I, I, for the better or for or for the worse you know either way you know it's a new pathway into something new you know yeah my career I mean I'm busy I'm more busy now than I ever yeah. have, have ever been and and, and it's all because the pandemic has maintained us is secluded and isolated for so long that people have made some very harsh decisions in their life to be able to pursue uh, a life-changing uh, things that happen to them personally, you know, and they have taken risk in doing new things that have changed their life for the better. So... Uh, Hey, this is fantastic. I think it's great. Well, there's been more freedom. It's challenged me, at least, and you and everybody. Right?
0: Well, Yeah, well, there's been more uh, challenges and growth, but also freedom. Um, and freedom and tearing down walls and, and excuses, right? That's like right. No more excuses about being in the same place as someone to do work or whatever. But at the end of the day, all right, that's kind of real macro here. Uh, every episode, Sammy, is kind of like a little biography book where we get to kind of like you know, go into your backstory and then end with some of your good habits and some of your joys and, and see what you can share with others. So, where were you born, Sammy?
1: I was born in New York City in the Bronx. You were? I, I left the Bronx when I was about eight years old. My father passed away. My grandparents came to pick me up. They were living in Puerto Rico. I was living in New York. And they when he passed away, they came to get me and brought me back to Puerto Rico. And then I went to school there. Uh, and, I, and I stayed in Puerto Rico till about... a. Till I was about 19 or 20 years old, I went to college. And then when I finished, I came back home to New York and I haven't been back. I mean, I go back once in a, in a blue moon, but uh, I'm a
0: New Yorker, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're basically, what was the decision of your parents bringing you back to Puerto Rico from New York? Well,
1: because of my father's death, you know. I was the, mm-hmm. only, the only son of my father's and, uh, and I was sort of representative of my dad. My father was a singer. He died very young. He was 28 years old when he died, and he was a heavy alcoholic. Mm. You know, so he drank himself to death. Uh, he lived in a club uh, all his life. That's all he did was sing, 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 drink, and you know. And he was a he was a heavy bohemian. You know, so I never got to meet him. You know, I, I was I was small at the time and he was too busy doing his thing. And uh, it wasn't till, I know I hate to say this, this is embarrassing, till now that I I finally am really getting to know who, who the man was, you know, his life, his story. I'm doing a project, uh, I just got a grant, Yeah. you know, and uh, this grant is about dedicating this new record to my father, so I'm doing all his old songs that he did back in the '50s, and I'm turning him to a whole different thing like R&B, jazz, and all that, and, and I'm gonna transform every song that he did with different artists that are gonna be guesting my record, and and hopefully, it, it'll be something really challenging for me, you know?
0: Yeah, awesome. So. When you went back to Puerto Rico, your mom went back there to be with family and raise you? No, or- my
1: mother didn't go. It, it was just me and my grandparents. Uh, really? my, actually, my mother stayed in New York and, and my brothers, you know, my brothers stayed. You know, I I went, you know, the, the idea of my, my mother giving me to my grandparents was so that I can have an education, you know, and I could do something of myself. And my grandparents were... Appropriate for that because my grandmother was a teacher, my grandfather was an engineer, you know, so they were very well prepared and very educated. So when I went there, it was for that purpose, so that in the years later that my mother went to Puerto Rico to be with me, I would have been already uh, prepared, you Mm -hmm. know, for the challenges. I mean, I was young when my mother finally came to Puerto Rico, I was already 16, you know, and so I was. Well off in high school and over that, and so that's what happened.
0: Yeah. yeah. What do what effect do you think that had on you? Being raised by grandparents, it's just like I was raised by grandparents. Yeah, more more wise, maybe. Or it was a, it was,
1: it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because even though my my my, my grandparents were teachers and th- my father's blood, I mean, he was a musician, you know, and so I I think I inherited it uh, that that thing from my dad. It's in my blood, you know. Yeah. Because my aunt was a singer, my uncles were musicians. And, and so that part, I inherited it, you know. And, and I became, in Puerto Rico, a musician. After all that studying and all that, I, I went right into music. I mean, it was my first love. So, I mean, I was listening to, to, to a lot of jazz when I was just a kid. And, and the Beatles came out, you know, and I was listening to all that. And Sam Cooke and all these great artists. And I just said, that's what I want to be. Right. I was a singer at the beginning just like my father but something inside of me said man I'm not. I'm. I'm going to be a, an instrumentalist so I became a percussionist when I heard the first drum I went completely
0: haywire so at what point were you already playing like the drums and stuff?
1: oh well you know I didn't it, it's interesting I didn't start playing drums till I was 20 I, I heard a record somewhere Cal Jader or something like that and I said, "Oh my God, man who's playing that, that rhythm?" And then I saw a video of it, and I said, "Oh my God, this guy is crazy. I want to be like him, you know?" And so my mother bought me a drum, you know, a conga drum, and I started practicing without any knowledge of what the hell I was doing. And then, of course, I went to music school and all that and in Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, yeah. my grandparents put me in, in music school, and I started learning how to play trumpet. And a little keyboard, and started really learning how to read and stuff like that. And uh, and I was on my way. After that, I was I knew I was on my way. You know, I didn't know what was going to happen, of course. But I said, hey, at least I'm doing what I truly love, and uh, hopefully it it'll everything will manifest. I don't know. I just took a crack at it, a chance. It was, you know, when you do something you love, the rest
0: follows. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: that's what I say.
0: Right. So you pursued that. What do you remember? Your first time where, you know, you were respected or paid for your time, like as a musician. Oh
1: wow! Yeah, I. Uh, uh, when I was around eighteen years old, I went out hotel hunting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, with my friends, a couple of friends of mine, we stuck a couple of amplifiers in the back seat and said, "Let's go get a job." I mean, that's the way it was done. You know? <laughs> and and we we didn't think about well, we have to talk to them. no no. We just went to the hotel. And 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 I said, who's in charge? You know? And they said, well, okay. they said, hey man, we want to audition for you right now. You know? And they go, I don't have any time for this. You know? And they kick us out. Then we go to the next hotel and we do the same routine until one hotel said, yeah, let me hear what you do. Okay. You know? Yeah. And they said, yeah, I think we could use you once a week here at the hotel. And that was my first gig. You know, and 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 Puerto Rico
0: just opening up doors. You know, yeah, like, yeah, that, work, and, you know? and,
1: and you know, you know, when you when you're young, when you're a kid, you don't think about anything else but that moment that you're 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 doing things. You don't know what's going to happen, and you go for the adventure of it. And just the adventure of it is emotional, you know. Even if you don't, nothing happens. You go home, and your parents go, "Anything happen?" Good, no, but we had a great time. You know what I mean? It was great. They kicked us out, and and oh mm-hmm. man, and but that was my first gig and after that we did various hotels then we did a lot of hotels and then before you know it a year later we have a band and we're playing in some of the best hotels in, in San Juan and we were out that's that's what got me started
0: right yeah. so where did you make the move back to new york like where did that happen
1: when i was 21 years old i was playing with a band in puerto rico and uh, and that band got a gig through somebody, I don't know who it was, in New York City at a, at a club in New York called the Piedmont Inn in Scarsdale, New York, which is a very upscale area. And, uh, and this club, the Piedmont Inn, was the social club of that place, you know, mm-hmm. where all the wealthy people went. And they hired us to play two months in that place. So we were living upstairs from the club. And I thought that was exciting. I was coming out of Puerto Rico with a band for the first time in my life. I fly to New York. It's all exciting. We had a great time. When the gig was over, I met this girl, right? And she said, why are you going back? Why don't you stay here with me? And I go, yeah, that's right, (laughs) i to stay with you. And and so I called my mother and I said, hey mom, you know, I'm not coming back. And she goes, what? What are you talking about? What are you doing? I said, well, I, I, I got some more gigs. But not with the guys. Yeah. I didn't want to tell her I was with some girl. And he says, are, are you crazy? He goes, no, 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 no. This is going to be great. Don't worry about it. I'm going to be fine. And I stayed with that girl for about a year. And then we broke up. I go to Manhattan looking for a job. Not as a musician, just a job. Because I said, what am I gonna do now? You know, I don't have a I don't have anything. And I walked around Rockefeller Center. I don't know if you know New York.
0: Yeah.
1: And I walk around Rockefeller Center and there was a gigantic store there. I think it was called Sam Goodies. It was a it was it was when vinyl was around, mm-hmm. you know, there were no CDs yet. And uh, I went there and I asked the manager, Hey, listen, I'm a I'm a music expert, I'm a jazz expert, uh he says, You're a jazz expert? He said, Yeah, yeah, it was the stupidest thing I was a stupid thing. I never heard of a jazz expert. And I go, Yeah, yeah, I am a jazz expert. He goes, Yeah, you're a jazz expert. Okay. And I was all dressed up, really, you know, looking great. And he says, Come here to my office. I think you wanted to embarrass me, you know, I think that's what it was. And he says, All right, I'm going to play you a couple of tunes. He had a turntable in his office and he puts a record on. And he said, I want you to tell me who that is. He a jazz artist. And he played. I said, holy shit, what did I get into? <laughs> oh, my God, this is not good. I'm just putting myself in a very embarrassing moment, and I should just leave, you know? And he said, no, no, no. Puts the tune. I said, oh, that's Horace Parland. Blue Note Records. Just came to you. And he goes, holy, what? He said, this is... I was trying to stump you. Okay, I got another one. I got one more. If you if you get this one, you got the job right now. I swear to God, he said. So he played this very obscure piano player, and I man, I gotta tell you, I just took a wild guess. I swear it was a random. I said Elmo Hope, and he goes Elmo Hope, and I was. Yeah. I said what?
0: Yeah, the power of the brain. How did I
1: guess that one?
0: Brain man, when you really oh, love something, you my. just remember about stuff you never realize you can remember. No, he said,
1: "You're hired. You start right yeah. now," and and I said, "I can't. I can't start right now. I, I I gotta get myself together." And he said, "Well, look. Here's twenty bucks. Go around the block and buy a tie. There's a store over there. Buy a tie." He gave me twenty bucks. I bought a tie. Well, I came back, and he they they we had to wear these vests. That says Sam Goody, you know, with your name on it, real corny, and uh, and I wore that. I worked there for three years, In three years I became the manager of the of the jazz department. And while I was working at that store, I get a phone call from a couple of friends of mine from Puerto Rico that had a band called Raíces Roots, yeah, yeah. and and they said, Hey Sammy, we have a band and we might have a record deal with a major company in New York. I said, what? He said, can you come to Puerto Rico, rehearse with us for a month? And we got about eight gigs. Then we're going to go to New York. And I said, oh my God. Okay. So I took a leave of absence, which I guess in those days they didn't exist, you know. And I asked my boss, can I go away for about three months? Three months. Uh. Yeah, three months. And he said, well, I don't guarantee your job back. I said, it's okay. I'll take a risk. I said, well, go. And I left. Went to Puerto Rico rehearsed uh, with this band. And uh, we came to New York. We signed the record deal with Atlantic Records, which was major. You know, Eric Clapton is there, all these major people there. And we put out a record. And the record did so well. But... After a year, the ego went to their heads and they started fighting amongst each other and they broke up. The band Rice's? The band is oh, broke Rices. up after two years and I wound up going back to my job. Swear to God. Really? I, went, I went right to my job. <laughs> and after my job, you know, I said, look, it's obviously not meant to be that I've become a you know, famous musician or nothing like that. I'm cool with that, you know. And, and so... As I was in the job, you know, as I was working and being happy what I was doing, this famous, famous flautist came to my store. His name was Herbie Mann, and he was huge. He was a big star, you know, and he came to my store and he said, hey, can you help me? Somebody told me you're an expert in all this, and I said, yeah, yeah. I'm looking for some Brazilian jazz, and uh, I said, yeah, I'll turn you on to some new stuff. And I gave him a couple of records. He came back a month later. He said, Oh man, I love what you what you what you turned me on to. Beautiful stuff. You have any more? Anymore? I said, Yeah, yeah, I got some more stuff. He looked you know, Hubert Laws and all this stuff, Steve Cat." And he went home. The third time he came back, he said, Would you have lunch with me? <laughs> and I said, Yeah, I would be honored. And he said, Come on, let's go to lunch. And he took me to lunch. And in lunch, he says to me, do you play anything? And I said, I play percussion. He goes, "You do you play conga's? I go, yeah. He goes, listen, I'm jamming tonight at Sweet Basil's in New York. You want to come and play with me? I, ooh. Answer uh, it. Whoa. I, I'm like, whoa, God, oh my God. Answer it? the call again. I'm nervous am yeah. And Excited. And I, Excited. I, I was like nervous and I said, you sure, man? And he goes, Sammy, bring your congas, take the train. You want me to come and help you? He goes, no, 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 I, I, I could do it. And I took one of the guys that worked at my job, and he helped me with my drums, and we took a train. And and we're holding on to the congas, you know, on the train, because there's a lot of people. <laughs> and, and and we're scared, you know, uh, you know, we're nervous, you know. And we get off on West 4th Street in the village, and we go... The place was packed. It was lying around the block. And I walk in the club. I set my drums up on stage. He greeted me with a great smile. And he said, you ready for this? He goes, no, but uh, <laughs> let's do it. And we started playing, man. And he gave me a solo. The people went nuts. And he says to me, okay, you want to come with me to Europe?
0: Oh shit! And I said,
1: yeah. I never, you know, I said... I don't have a passport, you know? And he says, I'll get you a passport. And he goes, my wife will take care of you. (laughs) I said, oh, where's, my wife will take care of you. So he came to the store and I said, but Herbie, if I quit my job, then what am I gonna come to? Because I'm not gonna have a job.
0: Right. So. want to guarantee.
1: He says, Sammy, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. He got me a passport. I went from Sam Goodies to Europe. (laughs) That's like the sublime and the.
0: Sam Goodies to Europe. It's
1: it's Mm -hmm. unbelievable. And I'm on a plane, you know, in first class, not even in coach, you know. And I'm like looking around like a little kid all excited. Where am I going? We're going to Switzerland. And I got to tell you, that was the most exhilarating experience of a 21 year old playing with all these famous people with Luther Vandross. I not only played with Herbie, I played with Luther, you know, with every pop band you could ever imagine invited me to play. And so for, for seven days, I was playing with two and three bands a day. By the end of the week I made $10,000, right? I'd never seen that much money in my life. You know? And it was a, So I got so nervous I gave it to, to Herbie and I said, I don't know what to do with this. You, you take it. <laughs> he goes, what are you talking about? It's your money. I go, I don't know how to handle it. You take it. Give it to me someday. And he says, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you an allowance, when we come back to New York I'll give it to you. Because, deal. Yeah. And I gave him, him money. I tell you, I never saw so much money in my life. I came back to New York from. We did about maybe eight or nine more gigs around around the United States, and because of playing with Herbie. Uh, Blondie, you know, all these famous rock bands wanted me to play with them, and I wound up even playing with Eddie Van Halen later, you know, and all that stuff. But. But it was because of Herbie that I I had a name in New York and then I was the number one call for any type of recording in New York City you know and then I was the number one call in LA in New York and then when the awards came which is another thing I didn't even know existed which is called the Downbeat Paul Awards which what they do is they give an award to best saxophone player best trumpet player best piano player you know best everybody mm-hmm. right and in the percussion department I was nominated among four of the best in the world and I won twice. So that
0: was the beginning of my career. You want, it's a Latin Grammy or what No, no.
1: This is no Lat- this is this is best musician of the United States.
0: What what is the award called?
1: It's called the Downbeat Paul the Downbeat Awards. Ball, okay. The Downbeat Paul Awards, which was affiliated with the Grammys, but the American Grammys, not Latin. Because I didn't I wasn't a salsa player by no means. That's why I know you said Latin, but I wasn't a Latin player. Well, I Latin was, jazz, no? No, no. You, no, you no, just said jazz even in exist. general. Yeah. I was, no, I wasn't even jazz. I was I was a percussionist. That's it. That okay. played fusion, pop, and stuff like that.
0: So you were very flexible and that allowed you to basically... Exactly.
1: I didn't play Latin jazz till I was in my 30s. Mm. That, that came way, way later. I was really doing rock and roll and... and and funk and soul and R&B and stuff like that. That's what I was doing most. I wasn't even thinking of Latin music at all right. because they paid me so well doing all this that why did I want to go to Latin right, music, right. right? No offense to Latin, I love my, my Latin people, my Latin music. But it was it was rock and roll and R&B that was paying my rent, you yeah. know what I mean? So later on when I was about 30, that that's when... This gentleman named Michel Camilo called me to play with him and he was like Latin jazz. I started doing that. Then I played with Ruben Blades and I played with Eddie Palmieri and then that's when I started doing all that stuff. But 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 it never got to the point where I was a Latin player. I played it and I really learned the idiom and the rhythms and stuff like that. I did that for a minute and then I went back to what I normally do. And this is where I am now.
0: Yeah, well, what, what do you say is like the highlight of your career, uh, maybe a certain show or playing in some, some peak experience, do You, what would you say? Miles Davis. Playing with Miles Davis? Yeah, that was,
1: I mean that, that, that's the highlight of any human being. I mean every musician wish is to play with Miles Davis, you, you know. I don't know how I got there, honestly, I wasn't looking for that. I admired him and I listened to his records. But I get a call one night, like, I don't know, out of the blue, like at 2 in the morning. I don't know. It was that something crazy. And I hear this raspy voice. Hey, man, what's up? <laughs> and I went, who's this? It's Miles Davis. And I went, get out of here, man. There's no about Davis. Listen, I got to hang up right now. I got to hang up. It's late. Boom. And I hung up. <laughs> and I went to bed, you know, and I... You know The phone rings again, it's about 2.30, to 35. and I pick up the phone I say, hello, if you hang up on me again, I'm going to kick your ass. That's what he said. And I said, come on, man. And look, it's 2.30 in the morning. I just came back from Europe. I, poop, and I hung up. I hung up. The third time it rang, it was like quarter to three, something like that. I can't remember, three o'clock in the morning. And it was a distinguished gentleman he says, Is this Sammy Figueroa? And I said, Yes. He said, My name is Teal Macero. And I'm the producer for Miles Davis. And then I, I, I said, uh, Teal Macero? He, he goes, Yeah. You just hung up on Miles three times. <laughs> and listen, I'm not responsible for what he's going to do to you when you see him. <laughs> and I said, I, I don't know what to say. I didn't know. I mean who, who can believe that anybody is sleeping and Miles Davis is going to call him? That's crazy. <clears throat> That's like Michael Jackson calling you, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. So he said, well listen, can you get here at, at, at uh, 8 in the morning? Just go to sleep and be dressed and be ready. Come to this address, he wants your services. So I, I went, I got there to the studio and I, I see, and I was getting nervous. And I said, Mr. Davis, how are you? And he punches me in the stomach, like real hard. I mean, hard. That I bent over mm-hmm. on the floor. And and I said, Man, why did you do that? What's the matter with you, man?
0: Don't ever hang up on me. You know, that like, like, <laughs> It's probably the best you could have hoped for. I mean, just a, a punch in the and gut when I, and I just got up
1: and when I got up, he said, Let's play. Okay. You know, and we started playing. He had drums there for me. And then from that moment on I was with Miles for three years. I did his album, I did concerts, I did a second album. We were very, very close. He called me five, six times a day just to talk about anything, food, anything, music, whatever, life, Mm. uh, uh, women, whatever he wanted to talk about I was there. And for those three years that was a very exhilarating time for me you know yeah. because from that moment on from playing with miles i i got really the notoriety that you really wish and and dream about you know and from there i i, I you know i work with Mick Jagger and you know a lot a lot of big names that i always admired and that's that's the basically some of the story of my career
0: well, no, that's the only first half. From what I know, uh, you, you've been answering the call since you were born and into, you know, opportunities and places where you can be challenged and, and basically you've been answering the call many times and it's gotten you on this path where eventually you build up a little bit of life force and you having your own power to decide things and maybe asking yourself suddenly, you know, what is my voice? Like, what do, what do I want to create? Like, so at what point do you remember starting to be a little more creative versus just answering the call?
1: Well, you know, honestly, I never thought, you know, people would ask me all the time, when are you going to do your own record? You know, you're past due, you're past due, you're getting older, you need to do a record of your own. And uh, it wasn't really until I met a person named Rachel Farrell. Uh, she, I met her in New York City at a concert that I did for a benefit. I put this band together for the first time and with a lot of, you know, uh, big names in, in the music instrument instrumentation. And I met R- Rachel there with a friend of mine named Robin Ford, who's one of my favorite guitar players in the world. He's one of the top blues guitar players in the world today, Mr. Robin Ford, which I admire. And, and Robin was a friend of mine, so I invited him to play with me. And he said, hey, I want you to meet a, a childhood friend of mine, Rachel Farrow, she's a record producer. And we met. And from that moment on that I met Rachel, that's when the relationship began. And she invited me to Cuba to produce a couple of records for a German company. And she was the one that years later, years, maybe 10 years, because Rachel and I never stopped working. We, we became partners. And she said, you got to do your record. And she was in Miami already, you know, and she got to do your record. I said, but how? I said, I don't know, man. Just put a couple of musicians from Miami, from uh, FIU, from UM, you know, from different... And uh, and I said, you think they want to play with me? I says, Are you kidding, Sammy? They don't even know you live here, you know. And so I started making calls. Well, I didn't make the calls. A friend of mine made the calls, and he said, Hey, man, Sammy's putting a band together. Will you be interested? I said, Yeah, let's do it. And I got all these musicians from different universities. Mm-hmm. We rehearsed, and we started playing at a club over here in Miami called uh, Van Dykes, that existed. You know, it closed about eight years ago. And I, and I started playing there with that band, and we did this every week, once a week, so it gave me a chance to create a crowd. And by after playing there for six months, the place started getting really packed and jammed. The word started spreading around all over Florida that I, that you know Van Dykes and Sammy Figueroa is here. It started spreading in New York and all that mm. stuff. So people were coming from all over the place to see this band. So, it was at that moment that I, you know, with my own money, you know, we went to a studio and I did my first album. Mm-hmm. You know, it was called And, and Sammy Walked In. Yeah, I yeah. love that one. <laughs> which, uh, which, uh, which, actually, Michelle uh, Camilo wrote that song for me. He dedicated that to me and his album. And he got a Grammy Award for the, his album. And I said, hey, can I use that tune for my record? And he said, are you kidding? I wrote it for you, of course. So, I did it and I called the album and Sammy Walked In. Well,
0: it's a little, uh, a little more humble that way that someone else <laughs> is the one who, who wrote the song Sammy Walked In because imagine you're like, hey, play this when I walk in. Sammy, Sammy Walked yeah, no, was, In. No, someone else's was, inspiration was inspired to create that oh, about, about it, you walking in.
1: Michel Camilo was, uh-huh. a, <clears throat> was a, one of my favorite piano players and of course I played with him for eight years. He, when I did this album, I totally forgot about the album because I had no idea what, promotion and Facebook and you know Facebook didn't even exist that time I think it was just beginning and uh somebody called me up from the academy and said how Mr. Figueroa I said yeah he said we're from the academy in California your record has been nominated for a Grammy and I said really my record Sammy walked in he says yes sir you're nominated for a Grammy we expect your presence here at the Grammys you know, in about three months. I said, wow. And I called Rachel. She said, did you get the news? I said, I, I'm, I'm beside myself. I, I, I don't know what to say. He says, we're going to the Grammys. I said, oh, my God. So we went to the Grammys, blah, blah, blah. The following two years, I did another album uh, called The Magician, and that was nominated for another Grammy. <laughs> and I'm saying, wow, what's going on? My life is like, completely changed. And it was at that moment that I continued to do my solo records. I'm now in my... I did five records and now I'm doing this project, this brand new project after I was just told recently that I got this grant and we're going to do this album dedicated to my father. I'm going to do his songs, those old songs from the 50s, and I'm going to transform them to R&B and Mm. I'm just going to change the whole harmonic structure and we're going to arrange a whole new thing and make a different style of what my father did and see what happens. Wow. And so I'm excited about this new project. We started maybe in February or March recording. I got some of the greatest musicians in the world that I admire, that my heroes, that all accepted to do this project with me. So this is my new adventure.
0: Wow, it seems like your creativity is flourishing, you know, like in your in your later years. Like yeah,
1: yeah, it, it, it's kind of weird because you know we had the pandemic and the whole like we were talking about before and now, uh, that's why I'm saying that this pandemic has changed. Uh, it's been a life changing, uh, emotional, psychological thing for I think for everybody, for me, for everybody, and I'm working more than ever. You know, this is so I'm really excited about doing this this is something that's going to be like a new adventure for me because i don't know what's going to be the outcome of this and really it doesn't really matter i think what matters more is that i got the opportunity to do this Mm. and that to me alone is it's already
0: a gift for sure what's the full story of this grant because i'm sure there's a lot of artists being out there like why don't i get a grant for touring around like like what what's the story of it
1: well this is a this is called the south arts uh Florida Jazz uh Jazz grants there's 450 people that apply for this thing you know i didn't know it uh Rachel and i applied for it and we sort of left it alone <clears throat> they say hey man <clears throat> only 40 out of this amount of people are going to get it so uh, but you never know right yeah. you toss it out you know it's like a throw of the dice so we filled it out, it's very lengthy and it's hundreds of papers and some of those questions, I don't get it, you know, they're weird questions. And we answered them the best way possible. We told them the idea of my father dedicated to him, that he died at 28. We told we told them the whole story of my dad and that this is dedicated to this gentleman. Uh, please check him out on YouTube and listen, go to Google, read his story, you know. So you could see who this man was, and I guess they did. They did the homework, and I got the grant. I got an email, and they said, "Congratulations, to Figueroa, you got the grant." I
0: said, "Oh man!" With it's- the purpose of what? Just spreading that genre more and and touring and.
1: Well, the idea of this is to video, you know, the story, and and to go on tour with this particular band, and. Uh, To tell the story, to tell the story through my music about, about Charlie Figueroa, you know, and this is incredible because I never met him, I never knew who he was, but this music is going to get me to know my father, Mm. how about that, it's, it's destiny that, uh, or the universe, or destiny that has put my path in through something that I had to clarify with my father since I was a kid, since I didn't have a father. I was I was raised with my grandparents, and so now, here we come to this moment of truth, of cl- clarifying certain things that were empty in your life when you were a child, and through music, this is going to really delineate my whole path of my right. father. Right, it's going to heal you. You know. Yeah, like it's, gonna... it's a healing process. Right. You know. So I'm I'm excited about it. I yeah. mean, and and one of the people that's going to participate in this record is somebody that, I, that I'm that i a big fan of. His name is Gonzalo Rubalcaba. Mm-hmm. He is a, already a five-time Grammy Award guy, and uh, he's one of the greatest piano players that live today. He's fairly young. He's professor at UM sometimes, and he is one of the most extraordinary pianists that I admire, and he accepted to do this with me. And so, you know, I'm excited all around.
0: Right. In your bio, it says... Uh... You're interested in spirituality. Was it like alternative science and something else? Uh, what would you say? Uh, I mean, what is an what is an interesting uh, curiosity that you have, or like a a passion or or side hobby people don't know about? Uh,
1: you know, I hate to use this word fringe science. Fringe science. Yeah, yeah, alternative science. <laughs> it's really <clears throat> excuse me, fringe science. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Science that has been rejected for the past 100 years, right? Uh, free energy, uh, cars that run on water, uh, wind energy, uh, uh, thermomagnetic energy, uh, electric energy, uh, uh, all, all these energies that have been around for over 100 years that would never accepted by conventional science. You got to remember the FDA, all these big corporations, they make billions and billions of of, of dollars a year in medicine, you know, and uh, the pharmaceutical companies, you know, it's like putting Band-Aid on cancer, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of great science out there that actually hasn't been accepted that you're able to hear cancer, you're able to heal any kind of disease, anything in life run your car on, on free energy, not even electricity, water, hydrogen. <clears throat> and these these sciences have been rejected year after year after year because the big corporations make a lot of money in oil. And uh, I mean, I hope I don't get killed by saying this, but, <laughs> but uh, the oil companies are trillionaires making money on oil. Right. And we don't have to use the blood of the earth to run uh, cars and to fuel energy in our in our life you know There's other means and ways that are cleaner and uh, cheaper you know and uh, and so this is what I'm into
0: right I mean it's important to uh, especially when you reach your level of having a lot of energy and resources and being able to make an impact in so many different areas that's when you really you know have the soul searching of like what do I care about what are my causes like what can I so you, you know you're passionate about maybe uh, you know global warming and helping the earth you know you know, go up go more sustainable but like how, how are you making impacts and you know, a small impact in those areas like what do you what do you spend your attention on or your money donating to like what, what are your causes? Sammy? Well
1: there's different corporations and different companies I wouldn't say corporations there are different foundations let me put it that way that are geared towards these possibilities and uh, and we need it more now than we ever needed it. Ever, you know, because the Earth right now is 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 an is an illness, you know, it's is diseased by so much pollution and so much fossil fuel and 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 another another other you know uh, deterioration of Earth. You we there are uh, uh, foundations around the globe in Europe, United States that are creating new technologies to be able to clean the air very fast and to be able to clean our oceans from plastics and from from all the garbage that has been thrown in the water. And we need, my, my contribution is pointing the way, is talking mm. to people and say, hey, let's gear towards this. Let's, 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 let's be part of these foundations. We could be part of 10, 15, 20, it doesn't matter, a hundred of them. And be part of him. And the more people that we get to fuel this consciousness of cleanliness and this consciousness of, of, of pure air and pure clean energy, we're going to be able to make a huge change. Uh, and how can we participate in many, many ways? We could participate economically. We we could participate with our voice. Uh, we could participate by telling everyone that that clean energy is the way and means out of our situation right now i mean i say it again and again and again our earth is dying because of the ignorance of people not knowing what they're doing and they're just deteriorating this planet it's like a huge cancer that needs to be healed right Mm. now you know and 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 through and through chemotherapy that's not going to do it all the way you know we need clean clean energy Mm. You know to be able to heal our planet, and that's that's my contribution, my voice.
0: Is that if you were to shout out a couple foundations or things that you, you know you're a benefactor, you donate, what are some of your foundations that like you well, care about?
1: The, the the I have a list on in my, in my website, I know, I saw you know, that, that that and even magazines that they can read that are part of part of this. Uh, uh, Raum und Zeit is a German uh, uh magazine that's now in English. Uh, there's all kinds of magazines that are part of this cleansing, you know, and they should read that to just give themselves some information to start right now. And I think the beginning would be just to read, just to look, just to do their homework like I did and, and read a little bit about what you can do to help the earth to heal. There's so many ways you can do it, but I could sit here and talk for hours to you about right. what could be done. But I think that the important thing is to do your homework right now and read some of these great magazines that I that I pointed the way to. You know, Explore Magazine is a wonderful magazine by Christine Jackson, who is a German lady who lives in the United States, uh, in the United States, and she has been uh, a great example of all the things that you can do to heal this world, heal yourself. And, uh, and do many wonderful things I mean start with Explore you know? alright
0: yeah that's one, yeah. one cool little action item um, yeah yeah I mean that's one media source you obviously are in the media so you run a, a jazz show on WDNA right Monday. I have a radio
1: show now for 17 years 17 years 17 so is there a story years.
0: behind that how you started at WDNA? Yeah, well that
1: was that was that started at Van Dyke's when I was performing there uh, a lady in the audience uh Asked me, have you ever done radio? And I said, no. She said, you have a good radio voice and the way you carry yourself on stage, you could be an announcer. I said, well, I've never done it. I said, would you be interested? And I said, maybe. Uh, What do you suggest? And she said, well, I work for WDNA and I have my own show there and I'd like to talk to the people there about you. And they already knew about me, about my music and all that stuff. So she brought me in and we did a test you know on a microphone and and you know i read i read some lines and they said wow sounds great would you be interested in in studying a little bit the gear here you know because every mc here has to do their own engineering you know there's no second engineer mm. it's going to be you i said well let's do it and i spent about 4 months studying you know a board and the ins and out of it, the microphone and uh, the players and the timing, because everything has to be clock right, you know. And so there's, while you're talking, you're doing three other things. So it's very complex. It's not as easy as you think it right. is. So you're talking and you have your hand on the board, you have your hand on the CD player, you have your hand on the computer, and it's, I made so many mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> I... I must have made like 50 mistakes before I got myself together. And it wasn't until till maybe a year that I became very fluent in radio. And so here we are, I mean, 17 years later. And and I've been very fortunate that my show has been uh, heard all over the world because, you know, you can stream now anywhere. It's Greece, France, uh, and Japan. And, and my show is all over the place. So... I'm really thrilled yeah. about that. I'm really
0: happy. Yeah. yeah, you're 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 in with the times. You know, whatever it is. Like I heard you're making. You have like some social music playlist thing, or people can get involved. Yeah, in. you know,
1: I play alternative rock, all kinds of stuff. I mean, hiatus, coyote, everybody. I mean, I go through rappers, all kinds of different things. And you're
0: making synths, right? You're making uh, actual samples for, for people to use in like electronic music and stuff. I
1: I did I did a a whole sampling thing a long time yeah. ago that is still being used uh you know for uh recording artists and for recording studios that that they've been using for so so many 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 years and is still around yeah
0: so you seem to you keep innovating you keep you know saying yes to new opportunities what is maybe some words of advice you would have for like other young artists
1: oh man you know I, you know that's a good question because i don't have any advice for <laughs> <laughs> do have anything man say you know, yes. and I'll tell you why I'll tell you why I'll tell you what the only good advice I can give because you know everybody's life is different and what happened to me is not going to happen to you or to anybody else you know everybody's everybody's situation is a different situation the only thing that I could say is that if you're going to do something do it a thousand percent you know don't slack off like 30 percent And then do something else and do something else. If you're going to dedicate yourself to something, give it your all. And it has to be something that you're passionately in love with. Or else don't do it, you know. If you're going to get into just straight business and it's something that you hate, eventually it's going to kill you, you know. Because that's not what you love. But if you love something, whether it's baseball, whether it's music, I don't care what it is, give it a thousand percent. Don't think about the money Don't think about any of that. Just do it because you love it. Because the universe will follow that gift. Mm. You know? And it's the alchemy of life. You know what I mean? Do what you love and the universe will supply. Just remember that.
0: Well, sometimes you also need to throw yourself in situations where you're not sure if you love it. You just have to trust, right? I mean, it sounds like in your career you were constantly challenged to go into certain situations and, and, and expand yourself. So you were very gifted with your challenges from the universe. Like all the calls to adventure that you were given. Now, do you remember, were there also a lot of times where you said no, where you said, you know, I'm not feeling like I love this? Yeah,
1: yeah. There was a moment there where I said, you know what? When I was in Sam Goody selling records, I said, man, you know what? I'm in New York. I'm working in a record store. I'm going to be the best record salesman in the world. That's what I said. And I was very happy. I was content. And I, I, I didn't feel sad by no means. I was surrounded by good people. Uh, that loved me. Uh, uh, and, and it was fantastic. It was at that moment when I, when I rejoiced, is the proper word, in what I was doing that the universe opened up its gates. Mm. It was at that moment where I said, you know, I'm happy right where I am. If this is what I'm going to be, I'm good. And Herbie Mann showed up and changed my yeah. life. It was at that moment. You know, that's why I say, do what you love, the universe will follow.
0: Or does, or love what you do better, you know, like keep love designing more of it or loving it. And What I realize like Love where you are. Love where you are. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, and if, if where you are is not something that you love or that you designed to yeah. be there, then move. Then Rejoice, in it. Rejoice in it. Rejoice in it.
1: Because psychologically, your mind is going to say, hey, Sammy, you know, maybe that's it. Hey, maybe that's it. You know, maybe this is what you're going to be. And, and at that moment, when you rejoice in that moment and say, hey, you know, I love music. I love playing. I love that. But if this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to love this just as much mm. as music. And it's at that moment that the universe says he has resigned himself. Look at this. <laughs> he, this guy, what? No, this is <laughs> what you want to do. And you go, whoa, wait a minute. And that's what happens. Yeah. you know That's why you have to be happy where you are.
0: Well, I think mean, that's that one point where you feel strong enough in your love of what you're doing and, and helping the world in small ways, where you say, you know what? You close the door pretty much on envy. You say, I'm not going to sit myself and, and want to be somewhere else doing something. I'm happy I've accepted my role where I am. Yeah. Yeah. And then you start to basically appreciate it more and more. And, and then the universe will sometimes call you into new adventures, right? But exactly. It exactly. comes with like accepting your place and so- and one thing I've been using more of some of my life coach students is uh, basically putting the billionaire's hat on. You basically say, okay, I had a billion dollars right now, what would I change right now about my week, about my life design? And the right. truth is, the more that you live with purpose, you're actually not going to change that much, right? Because Absolutely. you accept who you are, you love those times with your family, you love those workouts that you designed for yourself, you love all these things that you designed for yourself in your week that makes you happy. And so at some point you would go, I don't even want to change. Like So that's when the universe will force you to change sometimes, right? You know,
1: I was speaking, that's a great point because I was speaking to a billionaire,
0: you know, a, long, a while back.
1: A billionaire. He, he wouldn't tell me, but I knew he was, you know, and, and I wasn't going to discuss that with him, you know. And I said, what makes you happy? I was, that was a simple question. What makes you happy? And he said, well, when I started, he said, I didn't have any money. You know, I, I lived in a tiny apartment, a one-bedroom apartment, and uh, and I was just doing regular work. You know, I was gardening, I was selling uh, my vegetables and stuff to supermarkets. It was a little money, but I really enjoyed doing this, you know, and I rejoiced in that moment and, and became a vegetable guy. You know, I sell <laughs> vegetables, you know, and then I bought a, a bigger house with a little money that I made, And then I had one acre of land that I grew more vegetables. Then I bought two acres of land and I grew, and I said, Man, this is what I love. I said, But what do you really love? He said, Well, what I love is art. You know, I said, Art. Do you paint? He goes, Here, come on. And he showed me like 10 pieces of work that were incredible. I said, You did this? And he said, Yeah, why? He said, This is outrageous. This is like, like something you see in a museum. How did you learn how to do? He says, "I don't know. I just was just throwing yeah. my easel. I have no clue." I said, "I just do it. It comes naturally." And I go, "This is insane. You could sell that painting for fifty grand right now." He goes, "No, Sammy, come on." He says, "I swear to you, yeah. maybe I'm seeing what you're not seeing." And he goes, "Maybe so." So he said, "No, well, I'll continue to paint." So anyway, I, I, I gave him an idea. I said, "How many paintings you have right now?" He has. I'm about 25 why don't we take all these paintings and do a little exhibit a neighborhood exhibit we don't need any connections mm. just for the neighborhood and he goes how are we going to do that I said we're going to invite everybody every neighbor around you know and we went on the line and we did a, a little a little thing you know that said you know mark Mark Howard artwork please come to this out there's going to be food and you know drinks and you know blah blah, blah and and that's it and everybody was looking at his art and they were like more shocked than me one of the paintings was sold for thirty thousand dollars and he sold it right there then another neighbor from farther away bought another painting he sold eight paintings he had 20 but he made like like eighty thousand dollars
0: yeah, like that. Probably money he didn't even need, but it was probably right. nice to feel appreciated, right? Well, on his end, it, it,
1: for him, it wasn't the money; it was the appreciation. You said right, it right. that he said, "I can't believe this." So I said, uh, "Continue selling your vegetables; you're fine. You know, anything he, yeah. <laughs> he did, and he, the vegetables were selling, and he was doing good. He was working. He was already rejoiced. He was already c- condensing that moment of vegetables. And he was selling to Whole Foods and stuff like that. You know." organic stuff and one day one guy so, uh, called him uh, and said hey you want to do an exhibit in New York I don't know what to do what do you do for an exhibit I'll take care of the whole thing you have to trust us that we're gonna send all your paintings to New York right and we're not gonna take them we guarantee we're a legitimate company And he had his first exhibit in Seoul. Well this gentleman is now one of the top painters in the United States. He doesn't do vegetables anymore. (laughs) He is an artist. He's a multi-zillionaire. He has not only sold paintings but properties that house paint, I mean crazy stuff that you you wouldn't, and he's a multi-zillionaire you know. And he told me the story you know told me the story. So here you have it again, when you rejoice in what you love, the universe opens the doors for everything. That is the alchemy of living life. <clears throat> I rejoiced in records, I became a musician. He rejoiced in vegetables, he became an artist. And I think that's that's what happens with a lot of people.
0: Right. You know, you know it takes some, uh, some good friends or even questioning of oneself. To a lot of questions out to the universe about where to find more of that joy and, and to reflect on where everyone everyone's different every human being is different has Absolutely. different background and history that they were not in control of that made them who they are and exposed them to certain things but really we can all look in our past and say hey where was I most happy like why was I so happy then what was I creating what was I actively doing that why was I so happy there and then you can kind of like you know start to craft a future for yourself uh, just by starting now and yeah, what's yeah, accessible yeah. to you right so. Uh, do you play at home a lot? Do you just have instruments around? And you're yeah, I have playing? my instruments.
1: <clears throat> I have all my instruments uh, around the house. Not all of them. I have a lot of them in storage. It would look like a warehouse. But I have enough drums and stuff that I can practice and toys and stuff and miscellaneous percussion and electronic uh, percussion that I put my headphones on. I practice and I create things all the time. and. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I always have my hands on drums. Okay. Always.
0: So what's one of your secrets then? Uh, what have you learned over the years? Maybe like a healthy habit that you have that's unique to your character. Like, you know, what, what is something that's uh, people like, Oh, yeah, that's Sammy. Sammy, that's Sammy does that. Like, what's like a, a good habit you have that maybe others can, can learn from?
1: My habit, I have a routine, right? I wake up in the morning. This is what I do. I don't recommend it for everybody, but this is what I do. I wake up in the morning... And I meditate for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. I put it on a timer. I sit on the floor and I meditate. I have to, you know. The second thing I do is I have a cat. I clean the poop, right? (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) Then I throw that out, do my bed, have a good breakfast. And my day has begun, you know. And this is a routine, and I do. Oh, and I and I do some qigong, you know, some yoga a little bit, like twenty minutes of it, and then I start my. I don't leave my house until I, you know, finish that routine, you know. And I notice that when I do it every day on a daily basis, that sort of the the world becomes when I leave my house. Everything is more cohesive. People are more reflected to you. People say hello. People, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's like when I don't do it. It's like weird things start to happen. Yeah, when
0: you go out in the world without having cared for yourself first, you are now almost a disservice to everybody. You're someone that needs care. You're like a victim of circumstance. You're like someone that needs (laughs) care. Someone who has a frown who other people have to lift up. But that's why self-care for me is like the biggest biggest improvement possible in our world is that we start self-caring and appreciating our our stories more. If we each have better self-care routines, care more about our story the more we'll be living life with joy, you know, genuine Absolutely. joy from having cultivated that and yeah. by to oneself in the morning.
1: It's like an internal, you take an internal bath, you know what I mean? It cleanses your aura, your whatever you want to call it, your electrical uh, uh, particles of your life. Whatever it is, you start the day with beauty, with harmony, Right. you know. Otherwise, you become like a victim of circumstance. Well, look at this. Know?
0: It's literally like you could, you could distill it down to the parable of like the shower. Like yeah. imagine people in the world right now don't necessarily know how to clean themselves very well. And so imagine they're walking around the world dirty, smelly, annoying people, like uncomfortable, that's, that's uncomfortable because they're dirty a little bit and they're not feeling well versus you just teach that person how to clean themselves really well in the shower. <laughs> Suddenly they go about with a clean little smile everywhere because they feel pure. So oh, teaching people to become pure. And to teach and to self-care is, like, one of my biggest goals in my life is to help people up their energy as they go around the world with their self-care. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, that's something I care about. I mean, look, at the same time, this is, I care about community, right? So, this is a, a, a local podcast which will scale to other cities. Every city will have their podcast. But, basically, for Miami-wise, I mean, it sounds like you kind of were pulled to come down to Miami and you had... You know, you had some pretty foundational experiences here in terms of becoming creative on your own. Um, where does Miami fit in your heart? Like, what do you love about Miami?
1: Well, listen, I when I first came to Miami, uh, Rachel Farrell, my, my wonderful partner, she was the one that told me, you know, instead of going back to New York, uh, why don't you come to Miami? I'm living here and uh, I think you're going to like it. And I, and I came to visit. I moved right across the street from Rachel. In North Miami. And uh, and that was the beginning of, of a whole new life. I liked the weather. You know. The people were really cool. I started meeting a whole new set of friends that I didn't have before. You know. I went all over Miami. Rachel took me everywhere. Eating and great food. And Miami has great food. You know that. And... Uh, and then i started going to the music jazz clubs to see what was going on and that was when i visited van dykes and it was at that moment that i visited van dykes that i met the manager that things started like sort of moving and every everything started becoming a, a part of the puzzle that was just mm. putting itself in place and so yeah i liked everything i like you know i started going to the gardens and botanical Gardens mm. to this and I said wow how beautiful and I said yeah I could I could I could use this for my life what happened was that I never left
0: yeah well it's sticks you here you know like, yeah it was it,
1: it was, it was the beginning of my new life you know so I mean I went back to New York once in a while but Rachel kept her apartment in New York and uh, so I could go to New York and stay with Rachel in New York you know, I didn't have an apartment anymore. In New so York. what is
0: it about Puerto Ricans love New York so much, you know, but I'm wondering, like, do people consider what's that point of like consideration of like going to Miami versus New York as like a place of opportunity? Would you still agree New York just has more, way more opportunity and that's why people go there? Because I feel like the weather in Miami is more close to like Puerto Rico, you know?
1: Well, New York, it's a different animal. Right, I mean, right. it, it's just a different planet. It. it it's like you know you you can't compare a Mercedes with a Bentley. You know they're two different cars. Um, New York, culturally, is unbelievable. It's a melting pot of, uh, for hundred for a hundred years uh, or two hundred years, of people, diverse people from every country in the world that that goes to New York and has created their own life there. Businesses have flourished. With with Italians, with with Africans, with Latinos, with Jewish. I'm saying I've
0: met I've met just the same amount of diversity here in Miami. It's just like to me, it's not like a peninsula with skyscrapers. It's like more of a a tropical, more spread out, tiny bit, just more spacious, uh, more sun, more sun worship, more ocean worship. So for me, it's very similar. I mean, they're 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 sister cities practically. So. I don't know. Maybe that's more of a thing in the future as people move in here. But obviously, you know, we're growing very fast here. So a lot of pride for Miami. What are some of your favorite like restaurants or old time institutions or, or what are you? Support well, the jazz Miami? clubs, you know, the Vanguard, it's still, the Blue still, Note. still now, yeah. You know,
1: still right now, the the smoke and all these places that are legendary that had Harlem. You know, let's look at just Harlem in itself. <clears throat> Harlem is is where in the thirties. And 20s Count and jazz was flourishing. Comedy was amazing. Uh, the arts of, of, of filming. New York is where some of the greatest actors in the world have created some of the greatest right. films. Uh, plays, stage
0: work. All right, Sammy, Sammy. Yeah. What lights you up? In Miami. <laughs> what lights me up in yeah, Miami? yeah, What are you proud of here? Like, what are these... Like, where do you go now that have the same kind of pride? It's uh, hard to match, but it's...
1: Oh, man. Everywhere. I mean, I you know... How do I start? I mean, we Miami has now almost as much museums as New York has, yeah. right? Uh, and I'm a museum guy. I like botanical gardens. I like art. I like all of that. And, me, and Miami... Gives you that now. Now you you know you have the opportunity to 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 get to participate in, in incredible things. We got our basil here. We have so many incredible things. Also, the educational part is is amazing. You got U M. You know you got F I U. You got all these great universities that are so hip and so amazingly abundant with so much wisdom and knowledge. Everything in Miami. I mean, it's a smaller version of it, right? Within within the context, you know, uh, the, the thing about New York that you could walk, the you know, the you don't need a vehicle to go from point point right, A right. to B. Right,
0: so you Ubered here. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the I feeling mean, of mobility in New York as a walker is like incredible.
1: You don't need a car because everything from one from point A to B is transportable in minutes. In minutes, that something that we don't have here. Uh, uh, unless you have a car right uh you're not you're not able to travel that fast new york has the fastest and best transportation Mm. in the world and europe has followed that and other countries you know this this is what makes new york unique now what makes miami unique is the diversity and everything that surrounds it you know and now with uber and all these things you can do the same thing you know uh I don't know about the, the buses, but they don't run like. New I have York. some friends, but I don't buses. think nothing yeah. runs like New York buses. That that that's impossible.
0: They're getting yet. better. They're getting like. Uh, they're even going to go uh, full uh, electric uh, bus fleets. That's here. what we're, I heard. We're one of the first to do it, actually. And this so, is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I thought so, you'd be like, so love, about
1: that? I love all the new ideas of Miami, and what's coming is going to be amazing. You know, some of the most incredible architectures here in, in Miami are amazing. You you got Zaha Hadid and all these revolutionary architects that have done amazing, amazing architectures here in Miami. And it's only getting better and better and better all the time.
0: Yeah. So within Miami, this is a Miami podcast, we get cool characters. Who are some of your favorite maybe people favorite celebrities in Miami, people who would be fun to hear their whole story with the city? Oh my God. You name a few people. like
1: celebrities you mean musicians
0: or musicians people who love Miami people who live here who would be fun to interview oh my god well
1: I'll tell you this uh Gonzalo is a superstar he is one of the most prolific musicians on the earth right now Gonzalo Gonzalo Rubalcaba one of the most brilliant musicians on the planet you know it it does it doesn't get better than that any you know and there's people Oh, who are going to. Well, you interviewed Hannah, who's just fabulous. Uh, Hannah Baumgartner, who is just wonderful. I love her. Yeah, great energy. Uh, and she's the head of uh, you know, Miami Dance. Uh, let me see who c- could I think of uh, that's. Uh, well, Jennifer Lopez uh, from, has a place here in Miami, mm-hmm. and she's here. Um, oh, man, you, you know, at this moment, my mind is blanking out
0: because there's so many. Yeah, but you already mentioned a couple of good ones. So yeah, there's so many that are. I always got to put people on the spot here because you know you never know what comes to mind here, you know. But it, to me, it's a sign of respect. It's a sign of hey, I would love to actually, you know, hear a podcast about this person, like have their life story be brought, like kind of like brought out like a book real quick, you know, like what what was this trajectory and what are some lessons we can Absolutely. all learn? You know, it's powerful what you shared with yeah. us about how you found find joy in life. And, and just accepting the call like you have is an inspiration to all of us. So just more people sharing like that is, is just helps elevate consciousness. Right? Absolutely.
1: You know. Absolutely. And I'm sure that there's a lot more people you could talk to that are, that are fabulous, that have great stories as well. You know, I, you know my story is, is a story that I never in my life thought it was an, any different from anybody else because everybody goes through their own to their own life uh, stories. But when I think about my childhood till, till now, to how I got here, it's amazing. It's amazing that I even got to this point and that, and I say this because when you reach an age like mine and you're still performing and you're still getting calls and there's a lot of interest, that's how much love I have for music and for the arts. It just tells you that there is no age for anything that you do in mm-hmm. life. As long as you have your consciousness together and your mind is together, you can
0: do anything. Yeah. You're chilling yeah. by the fountain, basically. You're chilling by the fountain of youth. The fountain of youth for you is the fountain of jazz, the fountain of music. Like it's, I love what, music. What, what, wait, all You wake and you love it. so.
1: I love rock. I love everything. That's the whole thing. Now, one of the things I could say is don't get stuck in one thing, you know. Don't get stuck in jazz, there's rock and roll, there's R&B, there's there's all kinds of different genres. And to say that you don't like this, you really have to taste it because, you know, music is like food. You know, you can't eat rice and beans every day. You know, what about Japanese food? What about Greek food? What about Italian food? What about... Indonesian food. You know, they all have different palates. You gotta take a
0: trip once in a while, Sammy. You gotta expose yourself to novelty, right? But it's good to know what you love, what your foundation is. Uh, We got Timon and Pumbaa knocking on the door here. My two buddies uh, from Chicago, they're visiting. Oh, yeah. But yeah, anyway, we're gonna, I guess we've closed with some pretty inspirational stuff. Um, What's, our last question, what's something on uh, Sammy Figaro's ASAP items list? Like, what's what's something that, uh, like, maybe you feel like is 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 something you're pursuing right now I and mean, we can help you with the universe what's something on your ASAP items list
1: to help me in general
0: with my yeah, life something that you need right now that's funny and unique to you like what do you need right now comedy more comedy more man. comedy
1: <laughs> yeah yeah more comedy more 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 ah shit. they're big
0: <laughs> no I'm I serious I need comedy <laughs> in my
1: life you know I need more stand-up comedians. More. Well, that's, hey. you know, I mean, I swear to God, well, that's, there's, that's, uh, what, there's that's an, what I like.
0: Amazing comedy, Miami comedy, Manny Manny uh, Garavito. Uh, I'll send you his contact details. He he puts events on every night. But anyway, I also love comedy. I love making a show. So <laughs> let's let's get you into some more comedic videos. And uh, you yeah, thank you for coming, brother. Thank Give you, my brother. Hug, I, love I love you, man. Out. Thank you for coming. You're an awesome awesome soul, <laughs> <All> Iron <right>, brother. <laughs>